Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast. Today, we have Doran Gernstein from Control Plane Corporation. Doran, how are you doing today? I'm great. Good to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you as well. So it looks like you've had a lot of interesting roles within tech at some really big brands. Dell uh, did a spell in the mid-2010s, uh, Concur, VMware, and now Control Plane. Uh, what inspired you to start Control Plane and, and what's been going on there? Yeah, Control Plane uh, has been on my mind for a while. Um, I actually went to China uh, to talk to a company that I wanted to acquire in around 2017. What uh, inspired it was the need of developers to be able to focus on the code, not on all the plumbing surrounding the code. And uh, I was chief architect at VMware, and I saw firsthand, even within a sophisticated company like VMware, getting into production took an enormous amount of time. Developers had to not only learn their language of choice, they also had to become experts in Kubernetes, Istio, Grafana, Prometheus, Vault, FluentBit, Knative, and so many technologies that they had to string together to get to cloud native maturity, which means high availability, low latency, cost optimization, scalability, security, compliance, and it is just too much. It's like asking a doctor to fix the x-ray machine and build uh, beds and do all the things that the hospital does. It is just too much. So the inspiration for creating Control Plane was the desire to give developers their sanity and time back, allowing them to focus on what matters, which is the functionality to their customers, not all the plumbing-related uh, swamp that they're in today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and what do you think that, like, working at those big companies and now working at, you know, startup, you've been around for four years at this point. Like, what do you think are the biggest from like a swamping and piping difference? Like, now that you're at a startup where things maybe are patched together a little bit more with rubber bands and, and chewing gum. Um. Well, it's I wouldn't categorize it as such. We're we're about three and a half years in. Um. I think. Uh you operate a lot swifter uh, when you don't when you're not subject to the political um quagmire that uh, affects mm -hmm. unfortunately a lot of large corporations uh we have had a culture of zero uh politics and zero friction due to politics and it enables us to take the best people and let them be their own boss so the the company culture here uh, and i tell this to everybody who joins is you know you're an adult um be your own boss do what's right for the company and that's really the culture so um we built a foundation that is very very solid and i'm a big believer that if you put the right foundation in place you don't have to go revisit that foundation when you build a second story if the foundation is not great you have to demolish the first story and and redo so um we we can operate at 10x the speed you know i've been at disney i've been at sap i've now been at vmware at dell um they're great companies each one of them but um they don't have the foc the, the fanatical maniacal focus that the small company can have on an area and then remove any friction any uh distraction and just focus on on what you want to achieve 
Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. It's easier to have all the the boats thrown in the same direction. Exactly. Um, so I took a, a a try deciphering some of your uh, podcast with Peter Bella on the CTO connection. Um, I'm a marketing and sales guy. A lot of that went over my head, but I thought there was an interesting point about cloud native maturity and like you know maybe using some helpful analogies for a potentially less technical crowd. Could you explain what that means to you? Cloud native maturity means. Take a company like Netflix. When a developer at Netflix wishes to create what is known as a microservice, it's a very specific service that is internet accessible, perhaps, to other systems. They need to think, or uh, in a non-cloud native mature company, you still need to think about how do I secure this thing? How do I operate it so it never fall over? What if there is an outage at the region of Amazon? what's going to happen to my customers, what systems are using it that will fail because of an outage. What if we have a very successful show, in the case of Netflix, and and millions of people come in, will the server be able to sustain the load? And a million other operational concerns, and to get to be able to operate and with confidence so you can go on vacation and not worry about getting a call at 3 a.m., the system is not working, that is considered cloud native maturity to be able to not throw millions of dollars at the problem and and hope it works but really cost optimize it have it be secure compliant with regulations and company policies have it be performant and uh very uh low latency so the consumer is not sitting there waiting with a spinner that's cloud native maturity to achieve it it's not just you sling your own java or dotnet or python code you need to have a lot of complex systems in place to monitor the thing, to alert you in case there is an issue, to remedy any sort of uh, outage or whatever. And so cloud native maturities for those companies that have journeyed through the desert of learning how to operate these complex systems like Kubernetes, like Istio, uh, that go over your head right now. But um, the practitioners out there, they they know the the pain to get to this cloud native maturity we just get you there and control plane from a analogy perspective is really the non-stick cloud platform allowing uh, the the code the workload to become agnostic and portable so when you write it once you can run it on amazon google linode azure equinix or on-prem really decoupling the dependency on the underlying uh, cloud platform. So if you want to be on the cloud, you can, but if you want to repatriate to save 50 or 80% of the cost, you can. So the the core, your code, if you're at Netflix or Disney or any other company, the unique functionality you build doesn't have to be now tied in uh, rigidly to the underlying infrastructure, we give you this uh, neutrality so you can take your code anywhere, yet still consume the cloud native services afforded by Amazon, Google, and Azure. Things like DynamoDB, SNS, SQS, uh, S3, RDS, Bigtable, BigQuery, Active Directory, machine learning. There are hundreds of services that Amazon, Google, and Azure have built in the desire to lock you into their walled garden we let you kind of escape that wall garden and operate wherever you wish to, to operate. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Um, 
What do you think is the biggest blocker for companies smaller than, you know, the Apples and the Disney's of the world from having that cloud native maturity? Is it just the, like, is it an awareness thing? Is it, you know, a fear of the upfront costs? And do you think that the current economic climate informs any of that? So historically, the reason we ventured out to create this is the realization that not every company can afford the army of DevOps engineers that take to build a uh, developer platform abstracting you from the underlying infrastructure. Many companies have built an army of DevOps engineers and have created various abstractions because the native interfaces of the cloud providers are not trivial by any stretch. And um, so smaller companies, they go, well, we're small, let us take shortcuts. Let's not be cloud agnostic. Let's not be able to um, uh, scale up and down as much as we want. Let's not be multi-region and thereby be low latency. Let's be in one region because it's easier. And for those customers that are farther away in other countries or in other, on the other side of the country, of the country, let them incur a longer uh, wait. Um, and so most people make compromises and they say, ah, that's good enough. You know, Amazon is good enough. And it is a fact that there are outages on regions of Amazon, AWS US East one, which is the most used region of Amazon has had many outages throughout the years. So did other clouds. And um, so today, smaller companies cannot get to the cloud native maturity of Netflix unless they have unlimited supply of money and time. What, what we are uh, in business for is to give these smaller entities and large companies the cloud native maturity of big companies without having to go through that learning curve. You can, you, 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 you don't have to buy a, a car from a car dealer or you don't have to go buy a Tesla. You can build one yourself. Mm -hmm. How much effort, money, time will it take you? It is unreasonable. It's a lot easier to go leverage economies of scale where somebody has built a million of them and buying one unit is a lot more cost effective than trying to reinvent the wheel. We're telling companies, do not reinvent the wheel. It's a very expensive wheel to, to build. Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Duran, you look like, or you seem like somebody who fell in love with computers at an early age. I just, listening to you talk about some of these systems, it's clearly a passion project. It doesn't sound like work. How did you um, fall in love with computers? Um, I'll never forget, I was maybe 12 years old and I went to a friend of mine and uh, his parents bought him a, uh, a computer called Dragon. Uh, it was uh, back in Israel. And he had this uh, adventure game where he would type in, you know, open a door and you would mm -hmm, see a door mm -hmm. open, very crude graphics. And it, it would say, you know, pick up the chair. And so I was met, like the minute I saw that, I said, I have to understand how this is built. Like this is, I was mesmerized like fish to water. And so I begged my mother to, to buy me a computer. And we went uh, to a place where it was called Computer City. They have a bunch of computers. And she bought me a, a Commodore 64. Mm -hmm. And um, and then one of my friends, a uh, good friend of mine, came over. His brother went to university and learned some computer science. And so he taught me some basic. And uh, that was it. I was so hooked. It was not even funny. I was like, 
on the computer 24 7 almost and uh wrote games and learn mm-hmm. I, I tried to learn everything about it then my neighbors um they had a big factory and they needed an inventory system so they came talking to me i was maybe 13 years old and they said we this need is this before inventory. excel right oh yeah excel wasn't even uh and anybody's yeah. it, it was way before lotus one two three if your audience even knows what that is and so um they brought me an ibm uh pc um and it was an ibm pc with a, a green monitor i was used to the commodore they said can you, we bought this computer we don't know what to do with it but we need this inventory system here can you help us and we'll pay you and so i sat there 20 hours a day laboring uh i think it was summer vacation and i wrote them this code that i thought was smart but in hindsight of course it was very rudimentary but the funny thing is everything that was uh, because the screen was green a monochrome everything that looked white would be pink somehow the eyes screw up the pigmentation so for a while like for a month i saw everything that was white i saw as pink uh, <laughs> but I, I cut my teeth on that computer and yeah. wanted to learn assembly language and learned everything there was about the the ibm and that was the mm-hmm. beginning and, and i never stopped because what drives me is the is the is the quest for knowledge. To me, you know, I, I collect knowledge, and that is my reward. And I just, mm-hmm. I love this with a passion. Never mm-hmm. stopped. Thirteen years old till now. Yeah, no, and, and it reminds me of the Chris Dixon quote that um the like the next big thing is going to look like play at first, and like uses that and evokes like the computer, which was like you know designing computer programs. You know, came from really from video games, and it looked like play. And then all of a sudden, you're designing inventory, and then you're decide you know d- building server infrastructure, and it's a hop, skip, and a jump. Um, and then like you just sort of mentioned it, but um, I'm trying to keep a thematic connection through all these podcasts that I do, and you know, I'm on my first you know dozen here, and I talked to somebody named Greg Sloan, and his whole uh, purpose is to find people uh, uh, find the purpose for each employee or or leader at a company. So, you know, you just mentioned accumulation of knowledge, but what would you say your your purpose is? And you can answer that specific to control plane or, or more generally as well. Um really throughout my career making repetitive work a thing of the past has always excited me. I don't like seeing people reinvent the wheel it, it really irks me when i see people reinvent the wheel and i'll give you a, an analogy before there were databases developers wrote to disk sectors and figured out how to index and how to sort and how to do a lot of stuff 80 percent of the development time was writing bytes to the disk and reading bytes from the disk and organizing those when databases came to the scene people can free themselves up to work on higher order, more important things. And uh, now with AI and and chat GPT and stuff like that, what used to be hours and hours of work can now be done with a click of a button or, you know, with a statement. I wanted to do what databases did to data storage. I wanted to do to hosting applications that don't break, make applications unbreakable without reinventing there is literally i see comp you know i see companies i see people uh learn you know spend a year learning kubernetes spend a year learning istio and so on 
but why? It's like, it's so silly. And a, a crude analogy here again, do you, I assume you, you have a place to live and I assume you have a TV and a refrigerator and a washing machine. Mm -hmm. Imagine a world where your, your washing machine is tied to a diesel generator, your TV is tied <laughs> to a propane generator and your yeah. uh, other appliances are tied to other generators. I assure you it will work. It will function just fine, but it will be noisy. It will vibrate a lot. It will make smoke. It will be a fire bad hazard. Bad for the environment. Yeah. Bad for the environment. And it will be annoying because you'll run out of, uh, you know, propane for your fridge in the middle of the night and you'll have to run, get propane. The place is closed. You have to go to another place. But it will work. It will work. And then I try and say, listen, Grant, here is the wall socket. You can plug this thing to the wall socket and it will be quieter, more cost effective because you're leveraging uh, economies of scale. It is a lot easier and more reliable to operate. It's good on all vectors. Unfortunately, there are those people that say, no, no, I need to run my own generators because at least I know how it works. Well, it's okay to know how it works, but it's also okay to plug it into the wall socket and not think about it. And you can mm -hmm. go on vacation mm -hmm. and not worry about my refrigerator is going to run out of gas. It sounds like a gross exaggeration, but it isn't. When it comes to running up, uh, microservices and backend code, not leveraging like a system like control plane is analogous to running your own generators. And what drives me back to the specific question is I hate people run their I hate to see people run their own generators where they can plug in the TV to the wall and be done with it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. why? Because it frees them up to do more meaningful things. We don't pro pro progress as a society if we still tie a plow to an ox and work the field and somebody comes along with a tractor that is GPS and air conditioned and you know with XM radio and they say no I don't need it I have my ox you're not going to get as far um, and, and so I want to enable people to go faster and produce more meaningful work mm -hmm. well I like that that's a good a good snippet I always look for the the social snippets on on the podcast too um, so while we wrap up here Tell us um, where people can find Control Plane and what kind of folks you're looking for. We are on controlplane.com, one word, controlplane.com. Um, and what was the other question? What, what are you what looking kind for? Of people... What's your ideal customer that you know maybe could take some value from the Control Plane uh, platform? Anyone who needs to run microservices um, on-prem or in the cloud or a combination thereof, these are our bread and butter um, head of engineers, engineering, backend engineers, DevOps engineers, heads of DevOps, chief architects, anyone who is a uh, practitioner bringing to life or migrating uh, legacy backend code, uh, ideally containerized code. Even if the code is not containerized, we can containerize it for you. But mm -hmm. that, that's what we're looking for, basically. Um, and, and I think those people derive great benefits by leveraging us. Awesome. Thank you. Well, you heard it here first, Control Plane. Um, thank you, Duran. And let me 